Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Squirps, you've done well. You're a smart kid. Squirple, squee, stop it. Squirps is embarrassed. Wait, whose voice was that? Squash. Squirp! <laughs> uh, who are you? Oh, me? Just one of Count Black's more promising minions. The Green Thunder, Mr. L. Mr. L? I don't need you to tell me it's a cool name. I know. Don't bother memorizing it. Why? Because I'm about to give you a burial at sea. I mean, a burial at space. Just because you're in red doesn't mean you're strong. Have at you! Ah! Class is once again back in session, and I'm joined by former Dual Shocker and Upper Cutie, guest professor of paper crafts and plumbing, Chris Compendio. Thank you so much for joining me today, Chris. How are you? I'm wonderful, Scott. How are you today? Doing well. It's kind of hot here in Michigan today. It's uh, <laughs> humid and about 85 degrees, so not unbearable, but uncomfortable. It's an AC kind mm-hmm. of day. It's a great day to stay inside talk about video games and then go play video games couldn't be me i don't know i've never played a video game in my life whoa Um. you you've done a really good job faking that you know about video games then yeah this is just a a bit of massive grift (laughs) on my end uh i'm i'm really glad that i can like reveal my whole andy kaufman thing uh on your on your show as an exclusive for rpg university but uh yeah (laughs) Oscar goes to you, uh, my friend. But yeah, be, you have put on the gamer nerd face so well. Mm-hmm. I am truly awestruck by your performances. Thank you. Thank you. We are here to talk a little bit about a game called Super Paper Mario, right in time for a brand new Paper Mario game coming out shortly. But this game originally released on the Wii back in 2007. The U.S. actually got it slightly earlier than Japan on April 9th of 2007, whereas Japan got it April 19th of 2007. Europe and Australia got it in September of that same year. Hong Kong would go on to get it in 2008. And South Korea in February of 2009. And I'm not super familiar what ROC stands for, but they got it in... Republic of China? That's probably Taiwan. Yes. I guess. Probably. That's probably it. They got it July 12th, same day as Hong Kong in July 12th of 2008. It was then later re-released as part of the Nintendo Selects line with the kind of gimmicky, flashy box art. Uh, That was re-released in August 
of 2011 here in the U.S. and June 22nd, 2012. Back in my day, that was called Player's Choice yeah. with a GameCube. <laughs> GameCube had that nice, it was so simple, it's just like a nice little yellow header at the top. It was fine. Yeah. And then we was like, we're gonna put, mm-hmm. we're gonna shrink the box art, and then we're gonna put a, a gaudy red border around it. And it's like, what are you doing? Stop, Nintendo. It's not great. Mm-hmm. But luckily, then the Wii U actually got a digital download version of it in 2016 for U.S., Japan, Europe, and Australia. So that was pretty good. But yeah, I'm glad they remembered this game because not a lot of people do. Yeah, it's kind of sandwiched between. The commonly referred to as good games and the games we don't talk about. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, this came out, we'll be talking about, because this originally came out, I should say, in 2007, some other games that came out that same year, just to kind of get your mind back in the swing of things from that year. You might have also been playing the original Bioshock came out that year. Mass Effect came out, the very first one. Halo 3. The Witcher from CD Project Red, uh, CD Project Red came out and just kind of amazed people. Well, this one kind of was weird because it had some monkey controls, but nevertheless, Super Mario right. Galaxy came out, which is personally my favorite 3D Mario game. Absolutely love this game. Portal Crisis, which benchmarked PCs for the next decade and a half. <laughs> Half-Life The Orange Box, which, in case you aren't aware, included Half-Life 2, Half-Life Episode 1. It was the first release of Half-Life Episode 2, and a Portal, and a little game called Team Fortress 2, all bundled in the same package. One of the best, like, collections, I think, that has ever been released. Yeah, I couldn't think of any official release like that that had that much value, like, since then. It's... It's still nuts. big. To, it's still crazy to this day. It's nuts. And mm-hmm. considering that was the, well, up until the VR uh, Half-Life spinoff that recently released, that was the last Half-Life game we, we got was Episode 2. Yeah. Valve used to make video games. And that was weird. That was a weird time. It's a very mm-hmm. strange time. And Metroid Prime 3 Corruption came out, and we got to sh- be Samus with the Wiimote. I'm getting, like... Uh, Vietnam War flashbacks <laughs> of middle school now. Just uh, looking at this middle list, school. this is overwhelming. <laughs> I was a year into college at this point. I graduated in 2006 from high school. Dude, you're old. I am old. I am old. <laughs> I need to have Trevor Starkey on here more because we can reminisce <laughs> about like, he's still he's slightly older than I, but we can very much relate to each other's uh the games we played but sure sure <laughs> we are here to talk about super paper mario the third paper the third entry in the paper mario series so chris tell me a bit about your history with this game when did you first play super paper mario i think it must have been the year of release right like mm-hmm. i i remember being kind of interested in it from nintendo from nintendo power back when that was a print publication and it was actually, I, uh, it was actually for the, it was originally for the GameCube when they first announced it. Was um, it? I don't remember that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so it, this, I, I, I'm not sure if this would have come out before or after the Wii came out, which was like, what, uh, November 06 at that point, but yeah, it was the first Paper Mario game I really got into. I, um, 
I hadn't played the first two at this point, and honestly, at this point in my life, I still haven't really gone deep into either of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm a bit of a poser of a Paper Mario fan, but I did not buy Super Paper Mario. I rented it from Gamefly. Um, if you remember back in the day when Netflix used to do the, you know, mail rentals, rental by mail, and there are no late fees and stuff like that, so Gamefly is the same thing. They still exist. <laughs> um, and and I, Netflix still actually does physical deliveries. My fiance does it, and we've I had this... it's, like, called DVD.com yeah. or some, like yes. some other weird rebranding was of it, weird. but... Yeah, but Gamefly is still Gamefly, so I rented it from there, and I just became enamored and was like going through like all the IGN guides and whatnot and finding all the little, all little trinkets in between, and I just beat the entire damn game during my rental period, and then I, um, you know, sadly returned it, but it's like hey, it's a story game, like mm-hmm. I'm done. I didn't bother to do the pit of 100 trials or whatever it was um, <laughs> when I was a kid. I was too much of a coward. Um, and then years later, um, sometime in college, uh, yeah, that's, um, or after, actually right after college, right after I, gradu- right after I graduated, can't speak right now, <laughs> um, uh, it came out for the Wii U in, the, in sort of virtual console format, like it's, the Wii re-releases were weirder on Wii U because it's like, you buy it and then it like, go, the Wii U goes into Wii mode or something like that, mm-hmm. so... Uh, these days, I've just been playing with my gamepad on my desk and my Wii Remote in hand and just, like, playing it on, like, a tiny little screen on my desk. <laughs> um, and I've just, I've been, you know, doing the second playthrough, and with the Origami King for Nintendo Switch coming out in July of this year, I start to reminisce because I feel like the Paper Mario fandom is loud <laughs> um passionate they're very uh, passionate yes <laughs> passionate is probably the more accurate word that's that's the nicer word i would say <laughs> um because everyone just kind of wants to return to form with thousand year door which is more of a traditional turn-based rpg as is the first one um i remember buying superstar for the 3ds after like whenever that came out and um mario and luigi superstar uh saga correct that's the one you were talking oh, about oh um oh no no no. i, I was talking about sticker star. oh sticker star um, sorry i heard superstar yeah. so i was thinking superstar um, i did i did play the mario and luigi games you know it's mm-hmm. um it the the whole family of mario rpgs is a strange one like there was obviously the first square enix one for the snes and then the first Paper Mario was technically Super Mario RPG 2. I think yeah, that's that, literally what it was called in Japan. Uh, that's what it was called for a long time during development, but right, right. up until okay. close to release, because of the fraying relations between Square, Soft, and Nintendo, they had to oh, they dropped Super Mario RPG, yeah. and then it was going to be just Mario RPG, but then they swapped it, and in Japan... The first Paper Mario game is actually known as Mario Story. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I I still remember that old commercial of like Mario folding mm-hmm. into a paper airplane and flying around. Um, and 
you know, then Mario and Luigi spun off on the handhelds, and, you know, I had played a bit of Superstar Saga, uh, Partners in Time, Bowser's Inside Story. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoyed all those games, but I never finished any of them. They were just kind of too daunting for me for something, like, at that early point in my life. I'm sure if I went back to them, like, I can probably go through that pretty easily. But, you know, I tried out Superstar, and that's when people realized, wait, this isn't the Paper Mario I know and love. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we mentioned before we started recording, like, the the attacks are, um, like, they're, they're single-use. Yeah, <laughs> they're stickers, stickers that you yeah. pick up. It's very strange. And then um, a lot of the big... Um, a, a lot of the complaints involved the fact that there weren't any original characters. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that infamous graphic of like, here's a bunch of toads from Thousand Year Door, and they all have these unique designs and clothing and whatnot. And you know, they're Goombas and Koopa Troopas who have names and personalities and costumes. And then when you get to Sticker Star and the Wii U game Color Splash, it's all just generic toads, generic Goombas, generic um koopas and so that's why everyone is just kind of antsy about this new switch game Mm -hmm. and when you see people um their retrospects it's interesting to see how many people either include or exclude super paper mario as like the golden era paper mario Mm -hmm. um it's it seems like a a little bit of a touchy subject and it's it's kind of in between, right? Because yeah. I, you know, this is my independent study for RPG University, but I, I fully believe that Super Paper Mario is an RPG, more yeah. so than the than the succeeding games. I, um, I, I and, agree with you there. With Considering yeah. it has a level-up system, like you gain strength, it has inventory management, yes, it doesn't have right. a turn-based combat or really an action-based combat, it still does it's going back and replaying it it's much more of an rpg than i remember it being Mm -hmm. back when i first played it yeah yeah um yeah i i I think i'm just also interested to talk to you about um what are those core elements that make an rpg and i think a big part of it is um there (laughs) There's a there's a very deep story in here. Um, there is yes. There are NPCs and there are um, you know there there are systems that I that didn't really register with me as a kid. Like um, it wasn't until literally a few days ago that um, I realized how recipes work in this game. <laughs> <laughs> you can make you can make things from you, can, you find recipes. You can make recipes. There are a lot of things going on and. I was playing just this morning, and I think I was trying out the the um, the items, like the mm-hmm. attack items, more so than I was like when I was playing as a kid. Uh, and those items, they seem very Mario and Luigi to me because there had there were a lot of things like, you know, like the shells that you would bounce between Mario and Luigi and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, here it's a little more gimmicky. It's like, hey, here's a lightning bolt, and you just shake the Wii remote. <laughs> Uh, because it's it's 2007 yeah. and this is the Wii. It's <laughs> still very early Wii. We had to incorporate Waggle of some sort yeah. for a gimmick totally, in all of totally. our games. Yeah, yeah, and that that makes me wonder how this would have played on the GameCube. Um, because um, I, I wonder what Tippy, who's like the little 
rainbow butterfly pixel companion. Mm-hmm. Um, you you point at the screen with the Wii remote, and she's like the the Metroid Prime scanner, and she's like finding hidden things in the environment. She's telling you about the enemies like the same way partner characters would in the old Paper Mario games. Um, so yeah, the, the pixels are basically your partners. Yeah, uh, with just another like. I miss partners in Paper Mario games, yada, yada, yada. Um, uh, because, yeah, uh, the GameCube, like, there is an analog stick on that controller. So when you flip 3D, which mm-hmm. is a thing you, you can do with Mario, um, that would have made a lot more sense with an analog stick, whereas... It would have been a hell of a lot w- more comfortable you, to control, let me tell you. <laughs> yes, you played this game like an oh. NES controller. You played with the Wii Remote on its side, um, which is fine for those side-scrolling parts, which is like the bulk of the game. But everyone's but many a time you would have to hit that big friendly A button to flip dimensions and walk around a 3D space with a D-pad as a 2D character. It was it's very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so there, I guess that, that that's probably why there is less. It, it was more of a puzzle-solving mechanic than an actual action mechanic. Like, I don't think you saw a lot of combat in those 3D um, little segments. Um, but I appreciate how, a, in Super Mario Bros. 2 fashion, uh, you can switch between four different characters. Although, it, mm-hmm. the difference being in this game, you can do it on the fly. Um, so it, it's Mario, Peach, Bowser, and Luigi in that order. I believe, and they all have like kind of a unique ability. Like Peach has her little floaty mm-hmm. um, umbrella, her parasol. Bowser can breathe fire, and Luigi has like a crazy super jump, which makes a really silly noise that <laughs> made me kind of giggle every time I did it. Honestly, um, and they're like the four heroes of light, or something like that, right? They're, like there, there are prophecies, there are mages in this game. Yeah, like Mario is was foretold as like the hero of destiny or hero of prophecy from the <laughs> light pro prodigitus or something. I'm trying to remember what prognosticus. Yes. Some yeah. crazy RPG pronoun. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then the rest of the party joins up and yeah, that's right. Yeah. The hero in red. Um, so, I there are things that this story does that um, I feel people give credit to in future games. Like this, this game begins with Bowser and Peach in a wedding, mm-hmm. which is of course the whole premise of Odyssey. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but <laughs> Super Mario Revolutionary being the first <laughs> one with a wedding. But um, so. so Count Black, the villain, um, he's, like, part of some sort of, um, I believe they call it the Tribe of Darkness. The Dark Tribe or something, yeah. Yeah, which itself is an offshoot of the Ancients, which, like, we're already getting far away from, like, normal Mario lore here. Um, I'm pretty sure this connects Super Paper Mario directly with Final Fantasy VII, with their Ancients. (laughs) I'm just saying. Yes. Connection confirmed. Yes, they're yeah, set the exact same continuity. Yeah, um, you heard it here first. Um, Mimi is and... actually Genova. Oh my 
goodness. <laughs> um, so, so he's using this wedding to fulfill some sort of prophecy because he wants to literally destroy all of creation, mm-hmm. which, as far as Mario plots, that's pretty extreme. Um, and then you, you kind of, it, it unfolds on, you know, his motivation throughout the game. There's like, there are these little um, vignettes in between of dialogue between two two characters it's like lumiere and timpani mm-hmm. and it's this very romeo and juliet-esque story of like oh there's this person who's like in this tribe of darkness ancients whatever who falls in love with a human woman and you know star-crossed lovers and the families aren't letting it happen and um timpani is presumed killed by Bloomier's father and then the plot twist is oh Bloomier is actually Count Black and he gets that uh the light prognosticus. No, it was he got the dark no, the, prognoc- the dark one, excuse the me. The dark one, Sorry. the original um, one. That's what I meant to say. I don't know why I said the exact opposite of what I Because we were just talking about it, so it makes we sense. We were, yes. Yeah. Um and he's using this wedding to basically call forth this chaos heart, which is going to open a void and it's going to destroy all of existence because because he lost his love there is nothing mm. worth living for anymore <laughs> let's just burn this is just this is nihilism colon the game yeah this game's story out of all the paper mario games is the most like quintessential jrpg storyline <laughs> Like, I feel like if you swapped in angsty anime heroes with spiky hair and took out Mario, <laughs> it could be a Final Fantasy plot. You know, it's right. yeah. it's one of those things where, and this is one of the aspects that I think separates Super Paper Mario from the other games, especially the ones that came before. It's because it was so serious and lore heavy and deep and complex and there's betrayal there's this star-crossed lovers like you said there's a void like this chaos object that's going to devour all realities but you're a fucking paper cutout of a plumber chasing around (laughs) a dinosaur that breathes fire and you have a little sparkly butterfly to help you and you're Mm -hmm. jumping on goombas it's like the dichotomy and kind of difference between the two things you're the things you are seeing and reading are so drastic in this game and that's what makes it really that's what makes it memorable and stand out to me yeah i mean it's you play as a motley crew like that feels mm-hmm. like a very jrpg thing um they're uh, not exactly misfits, but like they're unlikely heroes. Yeah, I suppose. Like you know, it's it's like an uneasy alliance because Bowser is in your party, right? Um, but yeah, you're just you're just a mute dude, a former plumber with a mustache, and you are saving all of reality. And you have you're just jumping on dudes. Um, that's the bulk of it. Um, and it's very like from the the music to the art style to like the little vignettes in between um there's something very like sentimental and poignant about Mm -hmm. the entire vibe of the game 
um, like you know, like when you open up the game, it has like this nice this nice little prologue where it, like opens the the book and kind of like describes the world and it has this very um you know, it's very like charming like almost music box like music mm-hmm. um and then you know then you get the title screen and it's just like ah super Paper mario it's all jumpy <laughs> it's just really it's really it's it's strange um yeah. and then when you get into the actual game you know it's um it is presented like a 2d platformer but it's more mm-hmm. like it's more like a homage to platformers rather than an actual straight platformer. Yeah. Um, there's, I feel like there's not, not a lot, there's not a lot of depth with the physics of it all, you know, it's mm-hmm. just kind of like running and jumping and, you know, you do have like, um, you know, stuff with like the, the 3D um, shifting where you can kind of like, search more nooks and crannies and find things that were otherwise unseeable and you can find like a hidden door or like a, a hidden block where you can uh go up a ladder like that's just yeah that's you know that's that's just kind of like the same like bread and butter um that you would with any rpg world except it's side scrolling i i suppose mm-hmm. um because everything else just it feels nothing like those um those super mario games let's call them mm-hmm. um you know there there are there are npcs <laughs> there are shops <laughs> uh it's it's almost like zelda 2 all over again <laughs> yeah but that's um, a really good comparison <laughs> um it's yeah it doesn't especially and i don't know how much of this has to do with it being on a new pl- on a new system and them having to deal with the the wii mode itself but it definitely isn't as uh it the the platforming doesn't feel as good like it just is slightly off from a traditional mario platformer in terms of how it feels it feels like and granted this was developed by intelligent systems and not nintendo's like Mm -hmm. home office that makes mario games but it it still felt good it just felt a little different but i love 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 the um the point of view swapping like when you can go sideways and do like the third person corridors just that that transition i love like it's such a brilliant idea and how it's performed is so cool just i've always been a fan of that uh, it makes a fun noise too oh it is do it. <laughs> it's a very fun noise um the the meter always annoyed me yeah, um. that I, that was a little weird because I wish they had explained it a bit better as to why there was that meter because in essence, you're not necessarily gaining a dimension. It's more Mario is literally just going sideways. So that always kind of... Yeah, yeah. Which is another power he gets. That's literally one of the pixels. It's one of the pixels, <laughs> right. So it's like, he's not gaining any special powers he's literally just turning sideways yeah um, um which apparently other people cannot really do but, yeah um, it's it, it's 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 always a weird balance that the paper mario series have done of of like um is the paper aspect an art style or an actual in-world gimmick thing yeah you know like when you when you get to um uh mario and luigi paper jam 
where Paper Mario is mm-hmm. the third player character in that game. Um, they they come from a storybook and they are canonically not Mario and Luigi. They are Paper Mario and Paper Luigi, mm-hmm. and um, they have a white outline around their character model, like they're a sticker, and that continues in uh, Color Splash and Origami King. Um, whereas you know, if you go to the older Paper Mario games, like they're just they're they're just Mario and Luigi and Peach and Bowser. They're yeah. just um, it's it's just an art style and. Um, I wish this game were in HD because there's some really interesting art in here. Um, a lot of weird geometry stuff that is just not done in other Mario mm-hmm. games. Um, the inhabitants of Flipside, they're all like kind of like weird, like squares. Yeah, um, they're I don't know how to weird them. things. Um, and same with Flopside, which is a lot like flip side folks but they have more like pointed noses yeah. and things <laughs> yeah um it's, it's like a, they, they did a goddamn link to the past <laughs> light world dark world thing i just yeah. realized yeah basically um yeah and they all have like doppelgangers too barson um, and carson <laughs> who yeah. we'll get into no, those, because those that's where you right. find out 90 yeah. percent of the lore in this game yeah, that's yeah, that's a very video gamey thing, but not something you expect from anything with the Mario title. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, um, I guess, with the exception being like learning about Rosalina's observatory and galaxy, perhaps. Um, yeah, which itself is like its own emotional, poignant story. Um, but you know, you have like. Uh, th- like I, I was last playing in that um, the it's chapter three and it's the Bitlands where you mm-hmm. meet Francis the chameleon, <laughs> yeah, himself the, the is nerd, always the Nori, super nerd chameleon, character. yeah, um, and it's like it's it's not exactly pixel art, but it's like tiny little blocks, like um, like voxels almost. Or yeah. what would go on mm-hmm. to become what's what's the term Square Enix coin like high definition oh, 2D or something with Octopath? Oh sure, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Again, Super Paper Mario just way yeah. ahead of the game. Oh yeah, way ahead of the curve. <laughs> way ahead of its time. Yeah, but it's like this cool like uh, tile set. Um, then you get to things like the the Kragnons, who I have mixed feelings about them, like, you know, they're like, um, they're tribal savages, which is a phrase I don't enjoy saying, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they have an interesting thing going on with their visual design, where their faces are like, they're like abstract art, (laughs) (laughs) um, like, like, I don't know, like the... Any, like a renaissance painting or like a, or like the scream or something like that it's um there's a lot of variety in the looks to these characters mm-hmm. um with the with the looks of the characters and the environments um and somehow it all just matches together you know like there's mm-hmm. no there's not there's no point in the game where i'm like wow that looks really weird or really off mm-hmm. um and maybe it's it's probably like the color palette that they used um it, it it just all fits really well and 
I wish I wish this game were in HD. <laughs> this game so would look gorgeous. so good in. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, all the Paper Mario games deserve like an HD high res remaster treatment because yeah. these distinct style would look so great in like 1080 mm-hmm. on your screen. And one of the reasons I'm super excited about Origami King is to see that make that jump and see what it can really look like. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I didn't I didn't touch color splash at all. Um, mm-hmm. I heard some okay things about it, but I am I'm kind of looking at Origami King with some interest. I I know people are worried that there doesn't appear to be any experience points in that new game. Um, which which you know I, I, I that's something I noticed with um, Sticker Star and um super paper mario doesn't exactly have an xp bar but Mm -hmm. there is like a like again home like a homage to the platformer games there is a score yeah uh when you defeat enemies and that score is your experience because you will level up you will increase your damage you will increase your health yeah um so i there is progression (laughs) there's actually progression with making your character better um, I don't remember if you can expand your inventory at, at all, I, um, because uh, in my recent replay, um, I realized, oh, wait, I have too many items. I'm, also, I'm not using any of these. I just started using these. Mm-hmm. Um, you can catch enemies in cards like it's goddamn Pokemon. Yeah, and it, like the more cards you get, the more damage you do that that specific monster or enemy. Oh, right, yeah. Yep. See, like systems that I didn't even... That didn't register with me until the year 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to this game. Um, do you have any favorite villains? Like with the um, with Count Wex's whole troop of weirdos? I love Chunk's design. Oh, Chunk's design. <laughs> he's just... He's just silly. Yeah. He's just silly looking. And... Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of O-Chunks, um, and we'll talk about yours here in a bit, but... Uh, mm-hmm. um, I I realized um, that O-Chunks, I, I guess he has a Scottish accent, based on, like, the, the written dialogue, uh, but he's got- O-Chunks in plays Irish, so he's, like, Scottish and Irish. <laughs> Interesting. I think I think they got their wires crossed with the stereotypes. <laughs> Just that bruiser, and I love how he refers to like beating up on Mario and Luigi because like the first time you see him, he's in Castle Black with uh, Dementio and Mimi and everybody, uh, Nastasia black yes and he's like i'll take care of him it's chunking time or do you want to <laughs> it's like that's what he calls like just being the crack out of pe- crap out of people is chunking them it's like Jeez. that's pretty good want to want to go Jeez. chunking and then dementia is oh like i do enjoy a good chunking and that made me laugh mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a really um i don't know like the clashing personalities mm-hmm. is is fun to watch because you you, you kind of watch them you, you watch their debriefing in the middle mm-hmm. in between each chapter and they're like in this weird like this weird 
Black Void. I, I, I thought of Organization 13 every time they went back to this place. But, yeah. Um, and they just give each other shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just all, they're just all like giving each other grief and just jabbing each other. Um, and that's one yeah, thing d- d- we haven't touched quite on. The writing in this game is pretty fucking good. I think. It's a really funny game. Uh, really um, good dialogue and all that. So, yeah, and that's that's I think that's always been a through line through all of the Mario RPGs. Like, um, like I would say in that the other series, um, like Fallful is definitely my favorite character from those games from the Mario mm-hmm. Luigi games. You know, I have Fury like. There's always always catchphrases going around these these characters, yeah. And um, e- even like in the not so great Paper Mario games, like there is clever and witty dialogue. Um, I just think it's better in this context because it really comes from character. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like w- like watching those interactions between the, between the bad guys um, is is fun to watch. Um, and then the game gets a lot darker with the writing. Yes. Um, yes, it does. There, there gets to a there gets to a part where you're in a land that is about to be destroyed by the void. Um, you're supposed to be going through like this weird like game of death like gauntlet, um, but everyone starts giving up and is like, "Dude, you gotta get up there! We're all gonna fucking die!" <laughs> um, and then, um, the the. The uh, the world gets destroyed. Uh, this this part of the world rather, um, and then you get you you are in um, this all white blank um, area. Um, it's like when it's like that SpongeBob episode where Squidward gets stuck after mm-hmm. time traveling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are alone, and then you go to the underwear, which haha, like you know, yeah. like underwear. Because uh, you're supposed to be going to the over there, um, and it is it is the underworld. It is um, the circles of hell. There is um, an equivalent to the river sticks in this. There is dialogue of like people there who have they they said like oh yeah um, I avoided these spikes but then I fell in a bombless pit like these are people who died in platforming levels. Mm-hmm. And you know they're talking about they're talking about lives and like losing all of your lives, like there they there are massive lore implica- implications uh, not only for Mario but perhaps for <laughs> for platformers in general with limited lives. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of messed up that that river. I forget what the river sticks equivalent is called. It's it's like some play of words, I'm sure, but. Yeah, I can't um, you, remember. You go in there, and like the characters asking, like, "What happens when you die in the underworld?" And when you dive in there, they're like, "There are skeleton hands reaching for you." <laughs> it's horrific. Hmm. Um, this is a Mario game. <laughs> um, and uh, the pixels, which are your companions, like they get, they're like, um, they're like the wisps from recent sonic games yeah uh, each one gives have... you a different power kind of metroidvania mm-hmm. style almost as well where you can explore yeah, new areas a little bit. Um, yeah yeah um they're implied to be like 
creatures that spawns from like spirits from yeah. dead people. Yeah, the first one, the ancients basically crafted using a human soul to create it. So it's like, oh, and I think that isn't that Tippy? I think Tippy was one of the first because there were like three, the first ancient pixels or something, and they were created from binding like a human soul to this creature or human souls used mm-hmm. in the process to create the the first ones and then it goes on into there was yeah. the whole pixel war because they rebelled and they didn't want to be tools and then they were sealed away and it's like what the hell is happening this is mario <laughs> um this is all stuff that you get like um from those two dudes in the cafes yeah barson and carson yeah yeah, that's there's it's Scott. This game is an existential nightmare. Yeah, um, with so many questions of like, what is a, you know, what is a being? Um, <laughs> what happens after you die? What happens after you, after you die? Yeah. Um, there, there's literally like there is a part where you fight a three-headed chain chomp, which is like Cerberus, blatantly yeah. Cerberus. <laughs> um, it's. They are not hiding it at this point yeah. by like the this is like the penul- the penultimate chapter um, of Super Paper Mario before they get into that final um, showdown. Um, and in in between all of this, uh, Mister L is there, um, who you, you performed by the wonderful yes. and amazing Chris Compendio. <laughs> Yes, um, I'm actually uh, Charles Martinet's understudy. There you go. Fact. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy's funny. Um, he, cause like, he, well, he's like the ops. He's like the um, he's a subversion of expectations with Luigi because he's like confident and mm-hmm. arrogant. Um, he is full of himself, and you know the whole thing like oh you never see mr l and luigi in the same place like oh, i wonder if there's something going on there um and then they don't, they don't reveal until the end that they're the same person uh because it was i forget if it was dementio or if it was uh nastasia who dementio um, or dementio okay because dementio messes with people's minds and stuff like that's yes. his, his shtick yeah um and yeah he they're kind of the final boss right like mr l yeah fuses with dementio who um who's kind of a turncoat because he realizes that oh wait count black's thing is nihilism not building a new world so um screw that guy i'm gonna do my own Mm -hmm. thing with this chaos heart um and i I... (laughs) uh the the actual it's it's not as terrifying as something else i'm going to get into but because he, he's like a gesture right yeah so then when he combines with mr l it's like kind of like that skirt and then a giant black luigi head and then like like multiple legs and a tail and like a long um winding neck like it's it's pretty nightmarish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, I think that just kind of goes to show just how um, how wild they get with the boss designs. Mm-hmm. 
I think the first boss you fight is like a big old dragon, right? Yeah, it's like uh, an AI-controlled dragon. Yeah. That Fractio, Dementio, yeah. I want to say, like, corrupts his memory because he's going to mm -hmm. help Mario, and then he's like, oh, no, you aren't, and then you end up having to fight him. His name is yeah. Fractale. Then you murder this dude. Yeah, Fractale. Um, that dude's dead. <laughs> um, people die in this game. It's yeah. really sad. It's not even their fault. But, you know, then it, it kind of gets... Um, it gets all Fast and Furious end where mm -hmm. all the bad guys join the family, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh, Chunks is all right. Nastasia's all right. Uh, you know, Mr. L is Luigi and Count Plex, like... Well, because, like, you know, spoiler, the plot twist is that Tippy is Timpani. Mm -hmm. um, so they kind of reignite their love and, you know... <laughs> Is this also an RPG thing where the power of love saves everyone? Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was one of uh, the RPG tropes we talked about at the PAX panel. Yes, which power I was of there. love and friendship. <laughs> yeah, will save correct. everything. Oh, uh, and and it did indeed. And then they disappear. Um, possibly dead, possibly alive in the place they've always been looking for because there's this little after credits image of these two silhouettes, which is like it's really sweet. Like, even as a kid, I was like, wow, I'm like really emotional over this. Mm -hmm. um, granted, I could not speak if uh, if that relationship was healthy because some of those flashbacks were like you know, they're all stressed and full of strife and he like forcefully grabs her when she tries to get like i don't know it's um it's it's again it's very romeo and juliet which um people can reconstruct people can deconstruct for days but, yeah it's um it's a nice image you know of them on that on a grassy hill and it's like hey maybe they maybe there is like some some optimism some hope that they found uh, seeing how this entire game is full of death and nihilism. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember the first time I played, I played through and started playing this back on the Wii was when it first came out and everything, and I loved the gameplay of it, but holy crap, was there so much text. And I think yeah. that slowed it down a lot for me back way back when. I would eventually mm -hmm. go and play through and love it but it's just like there's a lot of tax boxes you have to get through before you get to the platforming stuff totally like yeah. the gameplay um but i feel like even that text uh there are essential moments in the oh, game yeah. where that it's just text or like you know um when you are given that mission by um what's his name merlon um and flip side um you can say no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can you can yeah. um, decline uh, the call to action, and it'll result in a game over. And then there's things like when you have to figure out um, uh, which uh, what, what's her name. Um, Mimi was disguising herself as her um, as oh, Merle. The, yeah, it was like a game. Or show the Merle's uh, her maid, wasn't it? Yeah, Mimi was the Mimi was the maid, and then she shapeshifts into Merle, and then 
they when you find them in the bathroom, you have to do this weird game show where you like with hey, internet, what's your right? Food. Was that with was internet? That? Uh, is that a different part? No, that might be later on. Okay, uh, this is pretty early in the game, but after this is like the whole Francis thing where there is there is literally like a dating game part <laughs> in that Francis part. Um, like Francis being like he's like a chameleon who steals Tippy because he loves butterflies, I guess. And um, there there are parts there there is parts of the text that's like um, you have to like answer questions to like get through a door, and it's like I complain about video games on online forums that haven't even come out yet. True, mm-hmm. false, and it's like dude ahead of its time <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember if neogaf was a thing in 2007 but um that 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 sounds about right mm-hmm. and then you know he he um gets a crush on peach because that's what nerds do whenever they see a girl i guess um and they i'm reading the mario wiki and it says uh, attempts to flirt with her using an electronic chat interface swoon dot exe <laughs> um this game's ridiculous but um i hope they had a lot of fun making this game i don't know mm-hmm. what happened after this that like someone up above was like we gotta take out all the characters and just you know uh apparently it was it actually miyamoto yeah that's that's the heresy and like i that's because that's I, sad yeah i read a or I watched a video where it was like a re- interview with the one of the the director of the game at Intelligence Systems, mm-hmm. and when they presented it to Miyamoto, it was like, it doesn't need, uh, take out a story. It's fine without it, and make keep the characters <laughs> to only be those in like Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. So instead of like brand new characters, so that's why Sticker Star reverted back to generic toad one through 55 you know yeah which is which is a I, shame yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm curious if there is like politics of like oh we want the mario and luigi series to be like the rpg series and um you know it uh, color splash seemed a little more for, for the kiddos mm-hmm. i guess i don't i don't know how they're gonna market the origami king um they seem to be going a little more in depth in their trailers of like what you actually do in this game so it seems like they're trying to find a balance i know uh, for a while or i remember reading things in magazines that the reason why paper mario had kind of shifted from the more rpg focused of games is because nintendo viewed the mario and luigi series as their more rpg centric or focused series where Paper Mario was was different, but now that yeah. Paper Mario's develop or not Paper Mario, but Mario and Luigi's developers closed down, and as far as we know, there's no Mario and Luigi games being made. I would be interested mm-hmm. to see if they try and start incorporating back those RPG elements that were removed to make Paper Mario once again RPG, the RPG Mario series. Yeah. Uh, Alpha Dream, correct? Yes. They did Mario and Luigi and... Yeah. Oh, jeez. October of 2019. That is fresh. Yeah. Um, 
I I reviewed the Bowser's Inside Story um, remake for DualShockers.com. Um, little did I know that that was their last hurrah. That's kind of sad to hear. Yeah. It was very, very sad. I know um, that, that hit a lot of people. A lot of my friends, big fans of the Mario and Luigi series and that studio. So it was a, it was a loss for sure. Yeah, totally. We aren't the only people, though, that really enjoy Super Paper Mario, so let's go around the web. We start off on Reddit with a few two from Reddit. My favorite was jumping on the first enemy. I was young and Super Paper Mario was the first game I bought with my own money. The Thousand Year Door was my favorite game at the time, so I expected Super to be just like it. Instead, the enemy died instead of transitioning to a turn-based battle. I was furious at first, but decided to keep going since I paid for it. Good thing too, since I ended up liking the game anyways. This was the game that made me start looking up trailers and reviews for games, so I never had to make the mistake of buying something different from what I expected. There you go. Yeah, it, it, if you weren't, if you were going into Super Paper Mario expecting a similar experience to what had come previously, it would be quite the, the shock to realize it's something rather different. I also like the just the sunk cost aspect of this. It's like, oh, you know, I already paid for it. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we all have I, that game. You know? Yeah, I am not that um, kind. Like, like I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it while you're recording, but I, I got rid of Sticker Star, like... A couple mm-hmm. weeks later, because it was just not for me at all. Um, so, good on you, dude. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it because it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Shall I get the next yeah. comment? Uh, Ice Ice Adult from Reddit. Uh, when presumably talking about what they like about the game so much, Mr. L. All the writing, the unique aspect of flipping into 3D. But I think above it all. I think above all, it was the world of nothing. It was really spooky, and it made me see the stakes of Mario's adventure. And yeah, we, we got into that. Like, I, I I believe that's referring to that giant white void. Um, and and then that, that would come right before the underwear. But uh, it's... It's harrowing. It's, it's um, not exactly dramatic if you mm-hmm. play that as a kid because you know it's still cartoony but uh it's at least a couple steps down from that we're just like whoa what yeah <laughs> what's going on here this is one of those games i feel where you can play it as a kid and get one thing from it like it'll be spooky and be like wow this is crazy but if you go back and replay it when you're older when you're either of our ages like this is a lot deeper and more kind of crazy than i remember it being Next up, we have user CommonAVI from Reddit. One of my favorite parts was discovering that there was a bartender NPC that existed for no other reason but to provide lore. It made me realize how much love was put into the world of the game. There's actually two. <laughs> but yes, oh, yeah. Barson and Carson that I, uh, that I mentioned previously. All, a lot of this lore, like with timpani and black and all sorts of things, the pixel war, 
all gets told to you via these bartenders, so. Kind of crazy. So it's like a coffee shop in one of the worlds and like a bar in the, is, is that? It's is like that a milk deal? bar in one oh, sure. flop yeah. side and then in flip side, I want to say it's coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you, you, I think you have to pay them for information, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I, now that I'm replaying it, I, I definitely want to go back to those, but, um, seeing how I just totally forgot about things like the pixel war and, first of all, the concept of a war mm -hmm. in a Mario game is crazy to me. Yeah, it's, uh, and then there are things like, oh, Chunks's backstory, apparently he was like some sort of uh, military leader who like lost his squad or something like that. It's, it's a lot. You know, just your typical lighthearted Mario platforming adventure <laughs> game. War, uh, forbidden right. love, betrayal. Totally. Huge. Yeah. Um, oh, Chunks. He's got those accordion arms. I feel like they beat arms to those. Already Super have Mario. its time. Those are coming yeah. back in Origami King. Chunks. Oh, <laughs> Chunks true. did it first. We'll be chunking uh, all the time in July. Bring back Oh, Chunks. There are a lot of Super Paper Mario trophies in Brawl. Mm -hmm. Super Smash Bros. Brawl. They should, uh, I don't know, they gotta bring back some of these characters. Um, but if they're not gonna bring back Geno, who knows, man. Um, I'm still believing. I'm still hoping. I still think we'll get Geno as a Smash Ultimate character. <laughs> I'm keeping the hope alive. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, Pokemon 376 from Reddit. One of my fondest memories would have to be the Angel Girl becoming a pure heart and the whole realization scene. I just found that whole that whole thing sat all around it. It made me wonder that if that's how the other pure hearts could have been at one point, actual living people. Uh, I, again, like same with the pixels. And yeah. This this gets into real like <laughs> light-hearted traditional Mario <laughs> platforming goodness. I'm telling you, it's you just have to look underneath the the subtleties of Super Mario World. And whatnot, and you'll discover um, war in all of this, maybe. Yeah, I recently rewatched all of um, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, such a good show! And uh, you know, the girlfriend turns into the moon. You know, it's very much like that. I um, will. One of my slight tangent. One of my favorite moments from the entire Last uh, Airbender series is when Sokka and Zuko are chilling there. And Sokka's like, yeah, my girlfriend turned into a moon. Like they're comparing, talking about their, their love lives. And Zuko's like, yeah, my girlfriend hates me or something. And Sokka responds, yeah, mine turned into the moon. It's like, that's rough, bro. Yeah. It's like, oh, so good. Another thing from our childhood that is like, um, oh wow, there's some messed up stuff. True, true. Next up, we have user Dreyfus2006 from Reddit. My favorite moment was probably the world of nothing. It really shook me as a player to see the world I had just been in so devastated like that. Not sure about my favorite memory. Yeah, one of the other users. Um, Ice Ice Adult mentioned the world of nothing as well, that it was a very yeah. creepy and kind of spooky place for the time, or for that game. I, yeah, I, I like was rolling back on the concept of this traumatizing people, but 
I suppose it did for some people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's um, one of the things I've enjoyed about this part of the show doing RPG University is what, how differently so many people will take parts of these games and how they've helped people or how they've influenced them or made them feel. It's, it's really interesting to just hear all the different opinions. So. Mm -hmm. uh, curious Keebler. I mean, what other Keebler would there be but a curious one? Um, uh, I think Keebler elves like the cookies. Yeah. This cookie. <laughs> that's what. That's how I took it. Yeah. No. I mean, I assume they're all curious bunch, but regardless, uh, I really enjoyed that first moment where you get to be Peach, and then for the whole of three four, with Francis's castle and all the little callbacks and Easter eggs in the background. Um. I'd have to look back at that, but that does not surprise me that, like, because that sounds like a very Francis nerd thing. Mm hmm. Um, that character is just absurd. <laughs> um, yeah. He yeah, reminds yeah, me yeah. a lot of uh, the Francis character on YouTube that did, like, the Wild Rage videos and stuff that was kind of big and meme worthy back in the day. And and everything. His name was Francis, and he was like an overweight, super nerd, like your typical nerd, or like what a lot of people thought of when they thought nerd, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> there's this, um, this is, gonna, this is gonna sound like a weird tangent, but uh, the Harley Quinn animated show, animated show on DC Universe, um, there's a little bit where you see these two comic book fans um, and they are watching the Harley Quinn show and they have um, one of them is wearing a release the Snyder Cut shirt and the other one is wearing <laughs> a Last Jedi not canon shirt um, and it's just like the two of them mm -hmm. complaining about SGWs and stuff like that before mm -hmm. they watch the next episode of Harley Quinn and it's like um, I feel like that I feel like that would be what Francis is now oh yeah <laughs> like a toxic fan on Twitter or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah. Once again, for the thirtieth time, ahead of its time, yeah. Super Paper Mario was. They they could see it coming down the road. No, and they tried to warn us, but we didn't listen. Damn us. Thank you, everyone, though, for submitting all of your fantastic memories and favorite moments from this game. You can check down in the show notes in the show description to find links to all these subreddits where you can share your own memories, and I'd love to see and read them. But thank you, everyone, once again, for submitting your own thoughts. Now, you might be wondering after Chris and I have been going on and on about this lovely game and all the crazy moments that happen, you're thinking to yourself, wow, I wish I could get my hands on a copy. Well, we have you. Uh, we're looking out for you. So luckily, if you have a Wii U and your Wii U eShop hasn't been turned off yet, you can still get this digitally. It's available for $19.99 US at the time of recording. 
And also, in terms of picking up physically, if you want it on your game shelf, used copies aren't that expensive. You'll run between uh, 15 to 20 bucks, depending on if you want the what, like the launch version, the non-Nintendo Select version. That'll range you between 15 and 20 bucks used. For Nintendo Select, it's a bit cheaper. It'll still, depending... It, that. For the Nintendo Select version, you'll be running between 10 and 20 bucks used, depending if you have just the disc or disc in case. For new and like new prices, you will be paying a bit as they are starting to get rarer. So those can range between 50, 60, even sometimes 70 bucks. So just keep that in mind. And I tr- hmm? oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I I was looking for a used copy of The Thousand Year Door in the year 2020 those are expensive yes uh gamecube titles are expensive now yes and nintendo never likes to like reduce the price of their games anyway so the fact that it is an old game and becoming much harder to find yeah prices for previous games uh before super paper mario are definitely higher in price Mm mm-hmm so let's say you've picked up this hypothetical copy and you're wondering, ah, oh, this is so complicated. I need help. Well, we have you covered there too. Chris, what advice or tips would you give to new players? Uh, this is a bit of a broad piece of advice, and this is just kind of how I play video games in general, but I am very much a leave-no-stone-unturned person. Um, so I will talk to every NPC. Um, I will try to wring out as much information as I can, and I will, um, especially with that 3D um, mechanic, I will kind of explore every nook and cranny. Um, So I guess my general advice is just to treat this game like like it really is an RPG, because it is. Um, Dig into the systems, um, learn about the recipes, learn about, you know, go to... You know, this is um, stepping on your toes a bit, but, like, talk to those bartenders and just enjoy the environment, you know? Just take mm-hmm. it all in like you would with any traditional RPG. Quote-unquote traditional RPG, because genres are a myth. <laughs> and every game has RPG elements nowadays, it seems. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a bit of a play. I'm kind of expanding on what Chris said, but really pay attention to the writing in this game and spend time talking to the NPCs, especially like we've mentioned, Barson and Carson. A lot of the lore in this game is found, comes straight from them. And the writing in this game is worth reading. It's a very, it's funny. It's witty. It's clever. It's heartfelt at times. It, it's a game where you don't want to just mash through the dialogue. Um, Read it, enjoy it. It's worth it. We are on to one of my favorite moments of each episode, the monster of the week. Chris, which enemy or monster have you uh, selected for us this week? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, we didn't talk a lot about Mimi. Um, just just briefly. Um, but she's like one of Complex minions, and she, she has like this sweet and innocent demeanor. But she kind of has a short fuse, and she would like go on like that that whole entire sequence where she um, 
punishes you with a with a crushing debt <laughs> and servitude, uh, which is already messed up. But then later on in that chapter, um, you will encounter her real form, which is a giant goddamn like spider lady. Um, she will. Okay, again, innocent-looking girl. Her head spins, like, upside down, and it makes this horrific cracking noise. Um, and then it, like, wrinkles and, like, gets all deformed. And then she grows, like, these thin spider legs and crawls around, and you are unable to touch her, and you have to run away. And for the, the for this entire chapter, she chases you. She chases you, and it's terrifying. And then um, you you fight her eventually. Uh, you get you like throw rubies at her uh, that she herself throws at you, and then you fight her like a couple other times. So she is a recurring boss. Um, but that initial uh, moment in Merle's mansion, uh, where she turns her head, it's like it's it's straight up horror. Mm -hmm. It's like. It's like Korean horror or something like that. <laughs> uh, it's terrifying, and I take back what I said earlier about people maybe not being traumatized by this game because, dude, that noise. <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> I hate it. I'm uh, I'm nervous for our friend Cameron Hawkins from DualShockers previously on talking about Pokemon Gen 2 who has arachnophobia. I'm curious to see how he handles Mimi in her real form. I was thinking about that, and I think I just want to spare him from that, and just to make sure he never finds out about me. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> I'll just look so at Cam, it. if you're listening, yeah. <laughs> just forget about what you just heard. Yeah, just... We're just joking with you, right? We're just joking. <laughs> but for Mimi, in the first encounter, uh, she's actually invincible, so she has unlimited health. Her attack is one and has zero defense. She's located in Merle's basement in World in Chapter 2-4. The amount of experience or score she gives you when you finish that encounter is 2,000. She doesn't drop any items and her card type is uncommon, but you can get her card in the card shop in Map 15. Her card description is pretty funny. It's Mimi, the adorable yet slightly unstable shapeshifter. Word is she has a crush on Count Black. So, yeah. Apparently everyone does. Like, um, what's her name? Um, Nastasia. Yeah, uh, she she has like a very um, a very Daria demeanor. But at the end, she's like, oh yeah, um, I kind of was in love with him, but you know, mm -hmm. I'll never live up to Timpani, which is like sad. But she takes it very well, like a mature person, mm -hmm. uh, which is quite profound <laughs> for a game yeah. with all of these like crazy emotions and like I would rather destroy the universe than be away from my love um, so I'm glad there's at least one <laughs> healthy person in the mm -hmm. entire bunch <laughs> it's always sad when the character loves someone else and it's not reciprocated or just ignored or mm -hmm. the person's oblivious yeah. and don't doesn't recognize it it is always sad love. yeah yeah Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on and nerding it up with some Super Paper Mario with me today. I really appreciate it. 
thank you for having me on. I have never really talked about this game or content, and um, you know, it, it's it's timely on one hand, but on the other hand, like I just think more people need to know about how cool this game is. So I, I appreciate you inviting me here. I agree. I agree. I met you in person for the first time at PAX, and or the basically the only video game sh- uh, conference this in 2020 it turns out and it was just really nice getting to meet you and i didn't get to spend a lot of time really catching up or chatting with you so i'm i was super glad when you were down to come on and uh just chat with me on the on the podcast so i very very much appreciate it though absolutely happy to be on so well where can people find you online what do you have cooking plug away anything you've been watching or playing or anything you want to talk about absolutely uh i am on twitter at compenderizer i'm kind of on and off social media these days i'm trying to trying to find that fine balance of taking care of myself but also engaging with my friends because you need both of those but it's it's tough um i am however still working on procedural conversation that is a one-on-one talk show that talks to game industry figures where we basically just talk shop um it debuted an uppercut. We had an episode with Victoria Tran from Kit Fox where we talked about community management. I recently had my friend Quinn Milton on. We talked about LARPs, which is a very niche thing that uh, a lot of people don't really know about in live action role playing. Oh yes, oh yes, oh we get into baby. It. We just, yeah, we get into the concept of play. What is play? What is a game? And it's like ah, I just love like. <laughs> some of it's just semantics but it's like i'm i'm just so in like you know that's partially why i wanted to do super paper mario because it's like what is an rpg mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh besides that um i don't really got much to plug i mean you know support uppercut as always and uh i do really like this article that uh a a friend a sort of colleague and an uppercut community member caroline delbert wrote a medium post titled super paper mario is a flawed masterpiece uh that was published uh, about a year and a half ago but i think it's still a good read um i am always down for more super paper mario discourse in 2020 <laughs> here here i and hear I that send, i can send you that i can send you that link if you want it um, yeah definitely that'd be great and i think with origami king coming out next month i think there will be a lot of discourse around the series in general this year um and hopefully it'll become easier to actually play this one and the previous games at least the first three games soon so here's hoping probably not probably not probably not but you know (laughs) can always hope imagine imagine the nightmare scenario where the wii u shop gets taken down like i am bracing for impact because uh just by despite their history of eShops, I feel like that's going to happen and it's going to be a bad day. Yeah, some uh, some regions have already had theirs closed down, shut down. That's messed up if you ask me. Invest in those giant-ass SD cards and I guess just download your entire catalog that you have and forever rest your, rest your peace. Good grief. But, Nintendo, yeah. let people play your games. Yeah. It should not it should not take me hundreds of dollars or illegal ways to play the 
thousand year door. Yeah, hundred percent condoning piracy. <laughs> and also, let me have a folder system in the Switch menu, please, because it's stupid that we're like three and a half years in, and I can't like separate or organize the games on my system. Mm-hmm. Give me folders. Come on. But I want to categorize my games by the color of the clothes the protagonist is wearing. It's like the Wii U, you can do that. You could do that from day one, make a folder. I have it on my Wii U. I have Game Boy Advance games in a folder. I have Super Nintendo, N64. They're all in their own folders. Yet Switch, which seems to have limitless money and can do so much more, can't do folder structures. One step forward, another step back, yeah. perhaps. It's nuts. It's crazy. But anyway, I don't need to go down on that tangent. That's the, that's a different Once again, also bring back, bring back Mr. L. That's yes. my last message. Yes, I agree. Make a Mr. L video game. Ooh, do it like a um, thief-like game where you have to like case a joint as Luigi, but then you turn into Mr. L and then just ransack the place. NES Pod, where are you? Yeah, I know. I still need to get on that thing. I've had both of them yeah. on. I'm waiting for my my invitation. Tell them to just add Mr. L to the yeah. bot. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But. Chris, thank you once again for coming on. This was a lot of fun today. So, I had a lot of fun. Thanks again. Of course. Of course. And thank you to all of you who have listened right here to the end. You've returned light to the crystals and unlocked a new job class. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as each rating and review you leave will help cause a leaf on the mana tree to bloom, helping to restore balance and saving the world. Plus, I just really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like me to talk about tweet at irrational pod with the hashtag rpg you with what game you'd like to see us talk about and if you would like to be a guest on rpg university and remember the day that a new episode of rpg university goes live you can also catch rpg university live on twitch.tv slash irrational passions at 8 p.m eastern where i will be streaming through and talking with all of you about the game we just got talk got done talking about so Feel free to join the Discord, hop in the voice chat, and share your own memories of this wonderful game. And until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to each other. Class dismissed.